Welcome to Bioethics On Air, the program that brings you thoughtful, in-depth commentary on ethics at the crossroads of science, medicine, and daily life. I'm Joe Zaylot, your host. We are a broadcast of the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia. It has been 49 years since Roe v. Wade, the infamous case where the U.S. Supreme Court discovered the so-called right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. Since that day in January 1973, much of the pro-life effort has been focused on the federal level, particularly on the Supreme Court. But this federal focus is only one side of the coin. In more recent years, individual states have been enacting legislation that restricts abortion, and some have passed trigger laws that will make abortion illegal should Roe be overturned. Many bioethics on-air listeners are aware of live action and the work it does to educate people about the realities and the dangers of abortion, but they may not be aware that it is now working in the legislative realm as well. To speak about these legislative efforts, as well as other interesting issues, I'm happy to welcome to the podcast Noah Brandt, the new Director of Government Affairs at Live Action. Noah Brandt, welcome to Bioethics On Air. Hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks for that kind introduction. Big fan of the podcast. A big fan of you. Uh, you know, one oh, of my boy. favorite ethicists. Yeah, that's a tough oh, one. I have please. a lot of ethicists that I'm a fan of. But uh, you're always a, a great uh, wellspring of uh, analysis and information. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about what live action's up to. Cool. Uh, I, I should tell our listeners that I guess the check must have cleared that I sent you for you to say those words. <laughs> well, you know, Joe, b- before I was at Live Action, I was at a different pro-life group with a terrific history and future called Americans United for Life. And that's how I got to meet you there because yep. uh, we hosted you on one of our programs and uh, you were just, I-, I learned a lot from that conversation. So it's good to be uh, talking to you again. Yeah, I was going to mention that. That was a lot of fun. I remember that was... Uh... That was BC before COVID. It was mm. d- December of uh, December of 2019, I believe. That it was uh, with Tom Shakley and with you at Live Act uh, at, 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 uh, at Americans United for Life in DC. I remember that day. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it was we a were, great we podcast. Were in person. Yep. Yeah, and and Tom Shakley actually came and did a podcast with us subsequent to that. So um, I listened so we, to it. He did a yes. great job. Yeah, so we got a we got a great relationship with uh, AUL, and and hopefully let's let's start a good relationship with Live Action. If you play your cards right, Joe, we can have a good relationship. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so Noah, um, I always ask this of of new guests on our podcast, and you are a new guest on our podcast. So can you tell our listeners a bit about your your background, specifically your education, work experience? Although we've talked a bit about that already, uh, leading up to your present position at Live Action. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, I lived in uh, D.C. for a pretty long time. I went to school up there, did both my undergrad and graduate studies at the George Washington University in uh, political science and legislative affairs, respectively. And then I just stayed there for a while, uh, worked for some different uh, political shops, and then kind of found my way uh, to working full-time for the pro-life movement. You know, the issue of life has always been the most important political issue to me. I care about other things. You know, I, I joke, you know, I care about the cap- things that as unimportant as the capital gains tax or as important as the United <laughs> States relationship with Israel, but nothing compares to protecting uh, the human right to life, which is foundational, not only to the success of our polity, but to the success of our communities and the su- success of our families. So I worked at Americans United for Life for years as their communication director, and that was a fantastic experience. You know, AUL is the oldest pro-life group uh, founded before Roe v. Wade. They already celebrated their 50th anniversary. They mostly work in the courts. You know, in your introduction, you're talking about how the pro-life movement has often been focused in the courts, and that's definitely where AUL is at. And it's uh, vital, vital work that will hopefully pay a lot of dividends this coming summer in 2022. Uh, And then this past summer of 2021, I moved over to live action to lead their government affairs department. Uh, and Live Action is a really uh, exciting place. Uh, it's a, a relatively new organization, at least compared to a place like AUL. It's been around for 50 years, um, but it's doing uh, vital work and it's reaching people. You know, it's communicating to people who might uh, otherwise not hear the message. Yeah, can you, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about Live Action because I know a, a lot of our listeners probably will be familiar with it. But for those who may not be, can you can you briefly explain what the organization is and what it seeks to do? Yeah, you know, Live Action is really the digital leader of the pro-life movement. Across all platforms, we have, uh, you know, over 1.4 billion lifetime video views, which is a pretty impressive wow. metric I like to share. Wow. Because I, I'm sure a lot of I your listeners- I wish our podcast could have that many listeners. I know. After this episode, it might not. <laughs> the, uh, 
<laughs> that's what what live action one of the things that we do really best and we're known for is we create uh, you know amazing content and content is yeah. a very zeitgeist word but it just means we create amazing videos and graphics and information for for regular people uh, and i use regular as a badge of honor you know citizens to share and to educate themselves and to educate others. You know, Lila Rose is our president CEO. Mm -hmm. She founded the group when she was only 15 years old uh, as sort of a grassroots movement. We have a lot of history doing undercover videos. Uh, but really, I I'd say our number our number one asset, and we're always growing, is that we just create this uh, these amazing resources, you know, and, and people use them from, from regular folks to schools, to churches, to other pro-life groups. You know, I can't tell you how many emails we've gotten especially i don't know if, if you've seen joe our baby olivia video uh yeah. it's you know the most realistic mixture of science and animation of a developing little baby in the womb from fertilization conception all the way up until nine months it's just it's you know a lot of resources went into making it just a, a true window into what's going on and we've gotten so many emails from different even pro-life pregnancy centers saying you know we show this to women uh, in our abortion counseling, you know, just to show them, you know, it's it's not opaque what's happening. We have a really good idea of what's going on, even though we can't see it with our eyes. Uh, right. So live action is do does a lot of uh, digital education and uh, advocacy. And but you know, I joined to sort of help uh, start up the government affairs department. Yeah, I I, uh, I do want to give a plug to I, I I've used uh, live action uh, materials in, in class and in other places as well. And, and the one that what have always, you used? what do you like? I was just going to say the one that, well, I don't know if it's the one that I like, but I think one of the most powerful things that you guys have on there is the, um, the videos, the animations essentially yeah. of, of, of an abortion procedure with, uh, mm. with Anthony Levitino. And I, I met him at a conference uh, a couple months ago, very interesting guy. Um, he goes through, you know, a former abortionist and he goes through and he, and he describes exactly what an abortion procedure is. And there's graphics, not gory graphics, but it's, you know, it's, it's illustration. It's still hard to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, but, and you see exactly what's going on. And I, I would tell people, you know, like, you know, in class, it's, it's, you know, okay, you claim to be, um, you know, you claim to be pro-abortion. Um, do you know what it is that you're, that you're supporting? And you just show them those, those videos and it's kind of, you know, the, people start thinking. So the, that's, that's the resource the, the live action resource that has always gotten me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Joe. And I'll, I'll pass that along to the team. Uh, it's, you know, th those are, those are videos that you need to kind of, kind of stiffen your spine to watch because even yep. though they're not graphic, uh, they are honest and the honesty yep. of abortion is disgusting and gruesome, especially when, you know, when someone like Dr. Levitino, who uh, performed thousands of abortions and, you know, he, he's a medical clinician, and he's just talking about what it is, you know, with some of these abortions, you know, you're, you're taking the the scalpel and the forceps, and you're just you're going, you're cutting up the the small child in, in her uh, her own mother's womb, or even the explanation of what the abortion pill does, right? Of more or right. less uh, starving and killing your child, and then taking a second pill to expel them, like uh, you know, like is not supposed to happen, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. A child is, is safely uh, with with her mother. So that's that's an, an amazing resource. And also, you know, in the past couple of years, we've done a lot of so social science research on these videos and especially the abortion procedures videos, Joe. They really change people's minds. They make uh, pro-lifers radical, radically pro-life. <laughs> they make people on the fence get off the fence and become right. pro-life. And they even make people who are who start out saying, you know, they believe abortion should be legal all nine months. They make them a lot of times move their dial back. You know what I mean? Because it's like confronting people with the truth and just showing them what this is. That it's not like uh, it's you know it's not like taking Tylenol, like people say. This this is this is taking a life, and it's really has such an effect even on a mother's body. It, it can really change people's minds. Yeah, and it's not live action. Is not uh, you know your mother's or your grandmother's pro life organization. You are you know it's it's up to date and and te the technology is fantastic and you, and you're really reaching a lot of young people and um, I mean God Joe we you. even yeah that's right thank you we even you know uh, I talked about the more than a billion video views which is amazing and you know we have a, a great Twitter and Facebook but we even have hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok you know I don't even have oh, cool. a, have a TikTok <laughs> but our TikTok creators are amazing they're you know they're they're people who use TikTok so they're extremely young people uh, but they're they're making uh, content that is is telling the truth. You know what I mean? And it's important to meet people where they are and to meet young people where they are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's, let's talk about your work as, as the uh, director of government affairs. So, Noah, how did you get involved with live action and what are your responsibilities in this position? 
Yeah, sure. You know, I, live action uh, last summer in 2021, they were looking to sort of uh, have this new position, director of government affairs, because they they wanted somebody who more who would be full time focused on impacting public policy. Yep. Because, like I said, when live action started, it was about uh, first and foremost, you know, those the undercover investigations that uh, Lila led herself, and then it really transferred over to just creating all different types of educational and uh, informative video content. But live action has grown by leaps and bounds, and they're growing more and more every year. And so, what they understood that you know, a lot of times uh, politics does flow downstream from culture, and it's really important mm-hmm. to impact the culture. But they also know that the law is a teacher. You know what I mean? And it's it's important Absolutely. that uh, we have people in every pro life group uh, and other life affirming organizations focused on impacting the public policy process. And they, I've I've always loved and respected live action, so it was exciting to. Uh, to come over and uh, sort of start start building this up, you know what I mean? And we're we're looking at both federal affairs and the ways that we can impact Congress and the executive branch, as you know, impacting the executive branch is tough at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we're also really focused on the states as well. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about some of those stuff. I, I was wondering, Noah, is is your position as director of government affairs is this a new position at Live Action? Or, um, you know, was the organization doing this work that you're involved in before you came on board? You know, it is a new position. And I I think the organization was really doing a lot of important public policy work before it came on board. But I think it was no one's uh, it was no one's full time responsibility. It was you know, no one's it, baby, so to speak. It was no one's baby. That's right. We're, <laughs> at live action, we we wanted to be. We always want babies to be well taken care of. Uh, so I think I think that was the impetus. Was you know, and as organizations grow, you know, Joe, you get it. People it, specialization kind of has to take force, yeah. and as different individual responsibilities become more important, uh, one person can't do everything, or two people can't do everything. So it's important to find uh, to sort of form a team uh, that you trust that can take on these different. Uh, areas of action and use their expertise to to have an impact. Yeah. What does a typical day look like for you? Yeah. That's a, sure. No, that's that's a great question. I mean, I, I would say it's full of three main things. You know, talking to federal. We could use the word stakeholders is a very fancy DC word, but stakeholders just mean people who uh, are either like me working for other organizations, or maybe they work. They are a member of Congress or member of Congress's staff, or maybe they're a staff member at the Department of Health and Human Services or the Federal Drug mm-hmm. Administration. Those are all examples of stakeholders. We're talking to federal stakeholders, uh, talking to state leaders. So you know, we've been, for example, doing a lot of work in a state like Ohio. So talking to folks in Ohio. And we're going uh, to talk third- about that. Yeah, that's right. And then third, third and foremost, you know, live action, we do uh, a lot of amazing events, you know what I mean? And I've uh, had the privilege to kind of have a hand in some of these events that go along with our uh, general campaign. So we just wrapped up a huge campaign called the 2363 campaign that ran in four cities across the country, it ran in uh, Washington, D.C., Jackson, Mississippi, Los Angeles and New York City. And it was all uh, to make people understand what 2363 means. And that's the number of abortions that happen every single day in the country. Every day, 2,363 kids are uh, killed in the through the violence of abortion. And so right. we, we ran a multi-million dollar ad campaign and uh, it worked. We reached uh, tens of millions of our, our target group is reproductive age uh, men and women. And we reached millions and millions of them. And that kicked off uh, in October at a really cool event at the Santa Monica Pier. We rented out the Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> we had all these music artists, all these speakers uh, it was something else. And we have a lot of other sort of really amazing events uh, cooking up for 2022. So I'd say those are the three main things, which is uh, uh, talking talking to people on the federal level, talking to people on the state level, and then sort of doing live action internal things and, and planning our campaigns. Yeah, sounds interesting. All right, so let's get into our uh, our main topic for today. And, and live action's uh, focus is obviously on abortion. And, and as I said in the introduction, we're kind of talking national level, state level. And I'd like to talk, start off by talking about uh, kind of two, two bills, I guess. They, they started on the state level and they've reached uh, or gained much national uh, attention. And the first one is uh, the Dobbs case. And with the NCBC, we've done a couple of podcasts on this already, so our, our listeners probably know about it. But just very quickly, the the, the Dobbs case, it's a, it's a case before the U.S. Supreme Court. In fact, the oral arguments were heard on December 1st. It's uh, December 30th as we're recording this um, 
this podcast. So just about a month ago, the, the court heard the oral arguments, and they were kind of two things here. It's the, the court is is going to uh, rule on the constitutionality of a Mississippi law that restricts abortion after 15 weeks. And there's also been, um, the, the, it's been requested of the court to essentially overturn Roe. So Noah, what um, efforts has live action as a whole, and, and you in particular, undertaken to get the word out or or other on the Dobbs case, especially to, to young people? Yeah, Joe, I mean, you set the stage well, uh, vital case, Dobbs. Probably, hopefully, it'll turn out to be the most important abortion-related case since Roe v. Wade that happened almost uh, 50 years ago. And, uh, you know, Joe, we're both young men. We, you know, this will be the most important <laughs> abortion case in our lives, I hope, is, sure. is how it turns out. Uh, and so, you know, live action is has, has activated on this. Uh, we worked to get, you know, the day of the case oral arguments, like you said, on December 1st, uh, ended up being an unseasonably warm day in December. Yeah. And live it was there, action. actually. It was, I, I, I wish I'd known that you were there. I would have. Well, uh, no, we, we should have connected. Well, then, we then you have to see it, Joe. I, I won't belabor the point. If you've ta- I don't know if you've talked about it on the show yet, but it was an amazing day outside the court. Oh, no, no, no. Talk about yeah, it. Absolutely. For, for the first time, I've been to a lot of these uh, rallies outside. I've been, you know, to one in uh, June Medical, uh, which was what, 20, 2020, uh, went to Hellerstedt in 2016. Those knowing knowing the content of those cases to listeners doesn't really matter right now. But the point is, the pro life movement has always been made to look really bad outside the court. We've always been shown up when it comes to numbers, and people say, "Well, well, why do numbers outside the court matter? All that matters is what's going on inside the court. What's going on inside the court matters the most." But guess who's outside, Joe? All the press, Joe. How many cameras are allowed inside the Supreme Court? Do you know? Uh, I'm going to guess one or none. Zero. Zero. There are none. You know, there, there are no cameras. All the cameras are outside the court. Right. They're, they're watching a building, more or less. People say, oh, why are they doing that? Right? Because the, the, the principals will walk out and talk sometimes. But there's hours before that. And so what will happen is, is it's really funny on these on these days where the, the controversial cases happen. There'll be like these two dueling rallies. You know, yep. the courtyard of the court is cut in half. Yep. And there's the Planned Parenthood pro-abortion side. And there's the pro-life side. And every single rally that I've been to and I've even heard of that happened before this, uh, pro-abortion protesters have outnumbered pro-lifers three to one, four to one, five to one. Not this time. We oh. The pro-life movement showed up. Thousands of people showed up. And we outnumbered the pro-abortion side four or five to one. And I'm happy live action played a big part in that and getting both educating people on the case and and getting people out and the you could I mean you're out there you could feel the energy right yeah oh absolutely I I would actually say I don't think it was four or five to one I think it was more like ten to one because I, wow. I took a walk around and the the pro abortion people they were a very small number in fact our president um, Joseph Meany was there and he said that he saw pro abortion people leaving because they were so discouraged at the small numbers that they had there and um, there were there were a lot more pro-lifers. I, I would say 10 to 1, but that's, you know, we could we I, could quibble about it, but there were a lot more pro-life people than there were pro-abortion yeah, it, people. It, and it's just, you know, ah, it just, it, it's exciting because that, that is a rare thing and uh, it's it's really never happened before. And so it, it shows both the commitment of the pro-life movement that we got people out there because, you know, it's hard. Yeah. I think it was a, it's a Wednesday in December, you know what I mean? Right. It's not necessarily an attractive day always to stand outside <laughs> from 5 a.m. till noon. <laughs> Uh, but so many people did it, and also and shout out, you know, Liberty University students came out Absolutely. by the busload. I think six or seven buses, uh, just hundreds of students. Um, it was so it, it was a really really great day, and I'm proud that uh, live action was a part of it. Yeah. So no, I I've asked uh, a number of guests who who've talked about the Dobbs case. I want you to look into your crystal ball. What do you what do you think the Supreme Court will rule in Dobbs? Yeah, well, I'm you know I'm not being temperamentally conservative on this one, and I'm willing to tell anybody uh, anybody who asks. <laughs> I, I I think that uh, well, first I'll hedge. First I'll say there's always what the Supreme Court should do and what I think the Supreme Court will do, uh, and I'd say it's it's rarer than it should be where those things uh, intersect. Um, but I think the Supreme Court is going to overrule Roe v. Wade. I think it's what they should do, and I think it's what they will do. Uh, this is what the pro-life movement has been working towards and really the conservative legal movement for 50 years. You know what I mean? Like like Roe v. Wade was the case that galvanized 
constitutionalists or conservatives, whatever you're going to say, it galvanized them to say, okay, we need to like form together and fight against this monolith of interpreting the constitution to say things that it very obviously does not, things that are not in the text, uh, traditions or history of the constitution. And we're never going to have a better Supreme Court than this, I, I don't think, in our lifetime. And we have the we th- we should theoretically have I I would hope six justices that would vote to overturn uh, overturn Roe at least at least five and I think that the oral arguments went extremely well from trying to sort of read those tea leaves of the questions that the court asked the advocates and so I'm I'm extremely extremely optimistic and I'm also you know I'll, I'm willing to even go a step further. Oh, oh, here we go. Court, he's, going, he's stepping out. He's stepping, stepping out. Yeah. If if the court doesn't, oh, it's overturn Roe, Joe. There's no place I think for the movement to hedge. And what I mean by that is we need to acknowledge uh, the failure of of a lot of our efforts in this way. Because what we've always said is we need another justice. We need a fifth justice. We need right. a sixth justice. We have six out of nine. We have six out of nine. That's tough to do. And it happened because of a lot of sort of confluence of events near the end of the Trump administration where all these judges, uh, you know, passed or retired when it wasn't necessary. It wasn't confirmed that they would do that. And there right. might not be a perfect storm uh, like that again. And so if we fail on this, if the court does not overturn Roe, uh, there's going to be a lot of extreme action that is suggested and, and maybe even taken that could, you know, cause a lot of trouble. So I, I think I think that uh, the court should overturn Roe. I think they will. And I think there'll be a real reckoning if they don't. I, I, I'd like to push you a little bit about what what do you think would happen? I mean, you said some some extreme action. Like, what do you think <laughs> would happen if they don't? Because I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, Noah, I hope you're right. I, I yeah. really hope you're right. My, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a pessimistic person by nature, but I, I can see the court coming back with, now they took the case, which is a good thing. Yeah, um, I, I could see them coming back with a a narrow um, ruling, maybe just ruling just on the Mississippi case itself. You know, maybe allowing that to go forward, but just doing that. It, would you say that that is a loss? And and then and then following up with that, going back to what you said before, what is the the reckoning, or what is what are the what's the the extreme things that would happen if the court doesn't overturn Roe? Yeah, you know, those are good questions. Uh, on, on the idea that the court might uphold the Mississippi law, but not strike down Roe, I was more fearful of that before oral arguments. And things can change. You know what I mean? They have months of of, of horse trading. Things can change. But I am feeling confident that's not going to happen. And I think Justice Gorsuch really led on this these questionings uh, during the arguments. He asked almost the same exact question of both the Mississippi side, the pro-life side, and the abortion clinic side and the federal government, right? There are these three three separate advocates. And what he said was, uh, I'll par- you know, par- paraphrasing him, is if this law is uphold, can we still rule that Roe v. Wade stands? And all of them, including the abortion advocates, said no. They said there's no way that this law, 15 weeks, which is significantly before any baby has survived, uh, right. could- At least to date. Today, right, and then one day that won't be true, right? But today, right. that you can't uphold this law and uphold the right to abortion because it violates the viability standard, and it obviously uh, sets an undue burden, a quote, quote unquote, an undue burden on a woman seeking uh, to end the life for child. And if this is truly a constitutional right, you know, because here's the thing, Joe, I'm very interested in making sure that legitimate constitutional rights are vigorously protected by the Supreme Court and yep. then enforced by lower courts. Uh, and so it's like I don't like this game of the Supreme Court saying something's right and then lower and then me cheering on lower courts denying it. Uh, but this the the right to abortion is such a fallacious lie uh, that we've been forced in many ways to embrace those types of tactics. But my point is I do not think the Supreme Court would be able to uphold the law uh, while upholding Roe. I think there might be one vote for that in Justice John Roberts, but I don't think he's going to find even one person on the even on the liberal side to join him. So I think it's all or nothing. And if it's all or nothing, you that means you need to find five votes to uphold Roe. And I don't think you can find those five votes on the Supreme Court right now. And I there had to have been at least four justices who voted to take this case. And like you said, uh, why did they take this case? Why if they if they just want if they wanted just to overturn the law, 
all they had to do was deny the right of cert. All they had to do was right. say, we're not yep, going to hear the true. case because it, it had already been overturned, Joe. The law had already been stopped. The Supreme Court accepted Mississippi's petition to have appeal. Right. Because so the circuit court to, had, had upheld the law or, or had, right. had, had struck down the law. Or struck yeah. down. Exactly. Right. Because obviously the law does not comport with Roe v. Wade. That's the point. Right. It was written not to. It was written to go to the Supreme exactly. Court. The, the drafter exactly. succeeded. Uh, so I think I think when it comes down to it, it's all or nothing. And I think when you think of it like that, it becomes more illogical to get to take yourself down a path where they uphold Roe. Uh, and I see why why people do it just because it's no fun to get your hopes up and then be dashed, especially right. on an issue as important to this as as important as this. But uh, that's why I'm optimistic. All right, so Noah, same question concerning the Texas heartbeat bill. Now, this is a bill that uh, restricts abortion after the detection of fetal heartbeat, which five, six weeks, somewhere in there. So it's actually significantly uh, earlier than even the Mississippi law. So what efforts, same question as before, what efforts has live action as a whole, and you in particular, undertaken to get the word out again on this bill, and again, uh, especially to young people? Yeah, another vitally important bill, you know, Jonathan Mitchell, who's the former Solicitor General of Texas and the drafter of this legislation, this Texas Harpy bill, uh, deserves a medal because this <laughs> bill has been protecting unborn children for, uh, I mean, when this comes out, I think maybe maybe it'll be 130, 140 days. It's amazing. There has not been a pro-life law in 50 years that if you just look, if you if your main metric of success, and this should be a very important metric to anyone who cares about unborn life, is yep. it's actually protecting children every day. This has been the most successful pro-life law in 50 years because it's doing it. It's protecting kids at eight weeks, uh, which, though a somewhat arbitrary standard, is uh, much earlier than almost any other law in right. the country. And, uh, you know, live action is enthusiastic about this law. Uh, and so we've been doing a lot of uh, education and advocacy, telling people what this law does. And also, vitally, Joe, when this law was passed, Texas also expanded, as in they gave more money right. to the Texas Alternatives to Abortion Program, right? Now there, it's over $100 million every year are going to the Alternatives to Abortion Program. Those are going to pro-life pregnancy centers. Those are going to community act, like agencies that help women. Those are going to churches. And these are people who walk with families. They don't just say, uh, here, you know, pay me $500 and let me kill your child. And now your quote unquote problem is solved. They say, uh, let me give you counseling. Let's, let, let me buy you, buy you clothes. Let me help you write your resume. Let me give you diapers. Let me give right. you formula. Let me give you rent assistance. I mean, th- these, these agencies and organizations they care, you know what I mean? They they completely dis- dispel the myth once and for all that the movement, the pro-life movement doesn't care about children and families once they're born. Uh, you know, that's that's when the hardest work uh, begins. You know, the, I, I will say this over and over again, and some people don't like it. The most important work at this moment, Joe, in my opinion, like the most actually just sort of like vitally just of the moment important is restricting abortion because killing children, even if they're going to be born into a life that uh, either objectively or subjectively would be considered bad or challenging, is not an appropriate solution. Killing mm-hmm. them is never okay. Uh, but it is just absolutely vital, especially as we sort of look at a, what a post-Roe country could look like where abortion is either forbidden or at least uh, severely restricted across the nation. It's imp- more important than ever to, to walk with families and to offer material support. Yeah, and getting that word out is really important. Yeah, um, and just and, and interestingly, um, since uh, in, in the past few weeks, the Supreme Court actually on the Texas case, they've actually had a couple of procedural decisions. One which was good, one which was not so good. So I guess they and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one. So they, the the Supreme Court dismissed the Biden administration's attempt to overturn the law, saying that the federal government doesn't have standing in this case. So that that was a good thing. Yep. But it is allowing pro-abortion lawsuits to to go forward in the state of Texas. However. The, the 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 heartbeat bill remains in effect um, while 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 those uh, while those lawsuits uh, are moving forward. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, and it's it, the, the Supreme Court rulings, I think, even by uh, in, interpreted by sophisticated lawyers was not extremely <laughs> clear on what the next steps were. But right. what we do know is this, like you said, the law can remain in effect, which is extremely novel. The Supreme Court almost yep. always says the law is on hold while litigation right. continues, but they exactly. said no, the law can remain in effect. And uh, that wasn't an accident. They understood what they were doing. 
And then the second thing is the law was remanded to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is, I would say, probably the most pro-life circuit court in the country. You know, the circuit court to the ones right below the Supreme Court, they're very important. Yep. Uh, and uh, it, they could have been remanded to the district court, which there is a very progressive uh, pro-abortion judge in Houston who originally put the law on hold, but it wasn't. It was given to the uh, Fifth Circuit, and that's where it's at now. And there's been a, a hearing set in, in the Fifth Circuit for, I think, January 7th. So we should have more information uh, by then. Cool. Yeah. And, and just going back to our, our I, I mentioned our president, Joseph Meany, earlier. He's he's from Texas. And I remember earlier this fall, uh, he was down in Texas and he came back and he said, you know, just when this uh, heartbeat bill went into effect on September 1st, he said just the whole just the mood of the whole pro-life movement in Texas has just has just you know been increased exponentially because of this. So it's 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 having wonderful effects. Um, it's it's hopefully a, a vision of uh, of what a future could look like. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's a future that uh, talking to folks who've been in the fight even a lot longer than I have, sometimes it's looked just impossible. You know, it's looked right. impossible that that a state could actually uh, truly forbid most abortions. Uh, but you know, Texas Texas is showing us up. So Noah, you spoke earlier about a hopefully post row U.S. and I, I hope you're right. I hope we do. I hope we do see that um, after the uh, decision in Dobbs comes down, probably this spring or summer. But with that in mind, you, you you told me in a previous conversation that live action is working to properly interpret the Fourteenth Amendment. What does that mean, and, and what does this effort entail on your part? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Well, you know, uh, smart lawyers uh, for generations, I think, have there have been many people who have properly understood and interpreted the 14th Amendment. But unfortunately, so the Supreme Court has been radically wrong in their interpretation of the 14th Amendment. So first, you know, a little history. The 14th Amendment was one of the post-Civil War amendments, right? The 13th Amendment yep. uh, abolished slavery <laughs> directly. And the 14th Amendment uh, guarantees equal protection and due process under the law for all American citizens. And that's in the text. Those are the important phrases. Equal protection under the law and due process. Equal protection, right. due process. Now, the Supreme Court uh, in the 70s in Roe v. Wade uh, really ridiculously interpreted the 14th Amendment to mean that there is a right to abortion. They said that uh, briefly, the 14th Amendment guarantees a right to privacy. Now, privacy, that word isn't in the 14th that's Amendment. No, that's not. Uh, but whatever, that's that's one stretch. <laughs> the right to privacy guarantees the right to abortion. So right. we're kind of, you know, via the 14th Amendment, I'm doing air quotes, but three steps removed, they said there's a right to abortion. There's not. There's obviously right. no right to abortion. Uh, there's That was not intended by the drafters of the 14th Amendment, uh, and it was never thought to be that until the Supreme Court said that it existed. Uh, but... Can I, can I just interrupt you there? I, I, yep. I want to just read the section from the 14th Amendment, just, just so do. that everybody's clear on this. And it, it's in section one, and the 14th Amendment states this in part, quote, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, and I underscore life, yep. liberty or property, without due process of law, nor deny to any person within his jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Now, I know you talked about this already, but I, I, to, to, for the life of me, and I know a lot of other uh, constitutional lawyers will say the same thing, for the life of me, how in the world do you get abortion out of that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot of mental contortion, right? Uh, and and a lot of outcome oriented jurisprudence of just saying we need to find a right to abortion and the constitution is obviously a pro life document how do we do this and they came up with that uh, truly I, I mean you, you, you know what they say if if you torture the torture the data it'll tell you whatever you want you know if you if you completely abuse and misinterpret words you can make it say whatever you want um, there's no right to abortion in the constitution but you know many pro so so Joe if the court overrules Roe v Wade they will, there's a 99% chance, right? An almost 100% chance that they'll overrule it and reset it to the pre-Roe, so like pre 1970 status right. quo, which right. was the idea that Antonin, Justice Antonin Scalia talked about, summarized as the, the Constitution is silent on abortion. Right. Uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh articulated that directly. He said, he more or less said, you know, uh, uh, many scholars, all constitutional scholars, and he said something like that, before Roe v. Wade thought the Constitution was silent on abortion. You know, what do you say to that? He asked the abortion advocates. 
So uh, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't, I'm not trying to move the goalpost preemptively. That is a ginormous win if they overturn Roe and you know send it back to the states and the people. They let elected right. representatives decide. They are much better arbiters on this uh, in many ways than judges, especially on like when a restriction should should start. Once Roe is overturned. There, it's important for us to examine the Constitution uh, and what it truly means, especially the Fourteenth Amendment. When you read that excerpt from it, uh, that no person shall be, no American citizen shall be denied life uh, without uh, due process, right? And that they all, everyone has equal protection under the law. I think that a lot of listeners can understand where we're getting at, and what many constitutional scholars, uh, right, like R- Robbie George, has written on this this a lot, uh, mean, which is that. The abortion, uh, excuse me, that the Constitution protects every American citizen and uh, properly understood, it affirmatively prohibits abortion because if you are an American citizen and you are protected under the, under the 14th Amendment, uh, you have the right to live and be born and even elected. Re- now, judges certainly shouldn't say you don't have that right, but even elected representatives can't the same way that I can't pass a law that will pass constitutional muster. That says something maybe uh, all I'm allowed to murder all house guests as long as you're a house guest, <laughs> I can kill you. You know what I mean? I'm not coming would, to your house then. That's right. That that would be taken to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would say uh, at least uh, probably under a few different provisions, but under the Fourteenth Amendment, that law is unconstitutional because it's denying an American citizen your right to equal protection and due process under the law. And so we believe that the Fourteenth Amendment, properly understood, should prohibit abortion, as in it should protect all American citizens, regardless of their age, size, or location. Because, you know, Joe, there's been times in human history where people could agree, could disagree somewhat reasonably, maybe, on what uh, what is what is a baby in her mother's womb? What is a fetus? You know what I mean? Like, when is it a person? Well, you know, when is it ensouled? Is it when she right. moves? Is it when there's quickening? Uh, is it when she, her heart beats? Is it when she can feel pain? Is it just when she comes out? Is it when she takes her first breath? That's not true. You know, a, a new distinct human life begins at fertilization, begins at the beginning and at conception. Uh, and every single American deserves the protections of citizenship, including the 14th Amendment, from the very beginning. So, Noah, do you see this um, see this understanding of the 14th Amendment becoming a litmus test for judges or even for, for legislators? Is this, is this something that live action would, uh, would support? Yeah, I think it's I think that post row, uh, it's vital that that be this, the same way that for the past 50 years, the litmus test in the conservative legal movement for judges has been, do you believe Roe v. Wade is wrongly decided, you know? Right. And as long as we get a yes, that has gotten a spot. <laughs> and like I said, I'm that is a that's a huge victory that we have six justices who have professed in the past. They think Roe v. Wade is wrongly decided. But uh, once Roe is gone, yeah, the, the, the next step, it, it's sort of it's creating it, it's a change in the movement. It needs to be uh, not only was Roe wrongly decided. But the 14th Amendment, the protections inside it must apply to all Americans. And those are the questions that we need to be asking. And there's there's great scholarship on this. You know, like I said, uh, Robert George, John Finnis, uh, Josh Craddock, Hadley Arcus. A lot of these people have been beating the drum for a long time. But it's more as we sort of come close to a victory in Roe, it's more important than ever to remember the Constitution, right, which is it, which is the I'd say the most amazing uh, governing document that the world has ever created for a country, the Constitution is not silent, Joe, on the murder of young children. <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh, it certainly doesn't say that it's a right, abortion, right. but it's also not silent. The, the Constitution protects uh, all American citizens, uh, even the very, very small ones. Yeah. And I would think uh, I, I was, um, you know, as you were talking, I was, I was, uh, Thinking that this this litmus test would seem to ha- it would seem to necessitate a big educational component, uh, particularly yeah. in states where we elect judges. Now, I'm I'm talking to you in Pennsylvania, we elect Supreme Court justices uh, for for the state of Pennsylvania, or excuse me, for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, so a- again, it would just seem that this would be a a huge educational uh, outreach for well, certainly for live action. I get the NCBC as well too. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that's that's really uh, a lot of people do not be, in, in the part of it's the pro-life movement's fault, if you will, because we just talk so much about returning the issue to the states, returning the right. issue to the states. And that's that's important. And that's a win. 
But ultimately, I mean, if, if we live like let's speak really optimistically for a minute about returning the issue to the states and what that looks like. Let's go. So let's say let's say that this coming summer, the Supreme Court overrules Roe. OK, so 2022, the Supreme Court overrules Roe. Let's go 50 years in the future. The same way that we just went 50 years from right. Roe. Let's go 50 years in the future. We get to a place where there's a lot of states, right? Like probably my home state of Missouri, places like Mississippi, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, maybe Ohio, that completely forbid abortion. All human life is protected in those states. But we can't kid ourselves. This is also a country where in places like California, Illinois, New York, the right. places that hold our big, the biggest cities in our nation that have the most people, uh, they not only will have legal abortion, California is already setting this up. They will probably be pay for women from other states right. to fly yeah. to their yeah. cities, pay for their hotel, pay for their plane ticket, and maybe even pay for the procedure, and then send it back, all funded by the citizens of these states. And while in that situation, I'm glad that many communities are able to protect life, that is not final victory. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Final victory is we we are a federalized country, as in there are 50 states that make decisions, but we are still one polity, right, where we have one constitution that governs us. You know, there are not any states that can legalize slavery. There are not any states that can declare war on one another. And there should not be any states that can declare war on the preborn uh, indiscriminately. But on the question of elected judges, I think it it will be uh, important. You know, ultimately, it's going to be most important for federal judges, which are not ever elected. Right. They're always appointed. Uh, but more and more states, I think, are going to be passing constitutional provisions in their state constitutions protecting life. And it's vital that state judges like, like those that are elected in Texas and Pennsylvania uh, have a proper understanding of that. And even, you know, I don't know if you followed in Kansas, the state of Kansas, a couple of years ago when the state Supreme Court pulled a Roe v. Wade and found right. a right. right to abortion in the Kansas state constitution. Right. Yep. A ridiculous proposition, uh, but they're looking to vote this year on an amendment to the Kansas state constitution saying, uh, you know, completely clearly that there is no right to abortion in the Kansas state constitution. So it, it is going to be really important not only to educate the, the judges uh, and the lawyers who could be future judges, but just to educate regular people uh, and especially pro-lifers. Uh, that this is what the Constitution says, and it's important to advocate for that. Yeah, and we have we have friends in Kansas who we've talked to about this case. Uh, something you may not know about, Noah, or you may, or our listeners may not know about the um, here in in Pennsylvania. There's actually a case in front of the uh, the the state Supreme Court. I think they're going to hear it this summer, this spring, or this summer, where abortion advocates are asking the judges of the Pennsylvania uh, state Supreme Court to find a right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution. So wow, no, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's going on uh, as we speak. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it's the, you know, it's it's the fallacy on both sides that, you know, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, people think that's the end of the issue. And it's not. I mean, the work no. is really, it, the work shifts in a big way, but it it is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Well, and, 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 right, and the reason that the, the pro-abortion side are the people who want to say if Roe is overturned on a state rights ruling, then abortion is – it will become illegal, right, across right. the nation, which I, I kind of wish that – I wish that was true. It's not true. <laughs> but they, 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 they want to say that because they're, they're not used to kind of fighting an opponent that has any recourse. You know what I mean? They're, right. like, like people say the pro-life movement always has to fight with an arm tied behind their back. It's like they kind of have to fight like sitting down, you know, like with their leg, like with everything tied behind their back because we can pass these laws all day. And if right. they if they just continue to get overturned and unenforced by courts, then they don't matter. They're just they're they're, they're John the Baptist shouting in the wilderness. It's like so it's it's vital uh, that the pro-abortion movement, right, the Planned Parenthood and her allies actually have to to go toe to toe and explain their positions and uh, challenge people who can actually who actually can fight back. And so that yeah. that's really all overturning Roe does is it just kind of makes the playing field uh, purely on the, the field of politics. But uh, yeah, the work only gets gets more challenging from there for us. So th th then it's also the tough part is we have to put our money where our mouth is. And I think that we're going to see a lot of uh, state leaders and maybe federal leaders who before were rock rib pro-lifers, but when their actions and words actually matter, they might be a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, wait and see. All right, like to um, 
let's uh, we've been talking about state bills that have national implications but let's talk about something that's actually going on in a state and it's uh, my former state of ohio we, we lived there for 15 years um, had a great time living in cincinnati but i was wondering you know, if you could tell us about ohio's uh, we'll call it uh, the ohio bill uh, the 2363 bill you, you mentioned what that was with the the the, uh, the importance of that number earlier it's also known as hb uh, or house bill 480 in ohio so i was wondering if you could tell us a bit about this uh, this bill uh, that's been proposed in ohio and uh, what is live action doing in response to it yeah, it's it's an important, uh, really, really important piece of legislation. You know, it was filed in Ohio, uh, the first state it was filed in uh, back in the fall. Uh, the lead sponsor on it is State Representative Jenna Powell. Uh, she's a rock star. She's awesome. She's 27. And she was the, when she was elected, she was the youngest woman ever elected to the Ohio state legislator. And uh, she is a pro-life champion. What the 2363 bill does is it protects children from the very beginning. It's what we want every state to do. It says from for, from fertilization, uh, every this child- goes beyond the Texas heartbeat bill. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Right. Like you said, a heartbeat is between, you know, five and eight weeks. And uh, because it's when a heartbeat can be detected, right? right? We know the right. heartbeat is beating earlier than it can be detected, but it can be detected around then. This says from the very beginning, from, from the minute you come into existence, you are uh, an American citizen, and in this case, a citizen of Ohio, yep. and you yep. deserve the full protection that any other citizen would have. And so it protects all children, but it uses this, uh, this sort of novel enforcement mechanism that Texas spearheaded and that has, that has been protecting children for over 100 days. Uh, where it allows a private right of actions to sort of individuals, uh, citizens enforcing the law. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that in in a bit. Noah, uh, do you think this? I, I asked you this about Dobbs, and I'm going to ask you to put you know look into your crystal ball again. Do you think this bill uh, will ever be signed into law? The 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 Ohio 2363 bill. Now, I, I think probably a lot of that is going to depend on what happens with Dobbs this summer as well too. But do you think this bill will ever be signed into law? And if so, what are the implications for the pro life movement? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm optimistic, Joe. You know, this bill came out uh, came out of the gate with a majority of the House Republican Conference in Ohio co-sponsoring it. So you know, That's you know, yeah, and co-sponsoring is is more than saying you vote for it. That's like right. I'm this is a priority for me. I will right. advocate for this. Uh, so I think it, I think it has a really good shot at passing the Ohio State Legislature and uh, Governor Mike DeWine. Uh, you know, I, people have say what you want about him, people have different feelings, but he has signed pro life legislation that has come before him. And so I think if it, if it came before him, he would sign it. And, uh, you know, Ohio's just the start. We have uh, where other state advocates across the country um, in different states will be rolling out bills similar to this, you know, uh, in the state of Missouri, uh, just this past week, a bill very, very similar was filed that uh, we are big, big fans of at live action. But the key is, you know, as uh, as we get closer, hopefully to row reversal. But even right, even if uh, that we're in a bad a bad scenario where row isn't reversed, but this private right of action can continue saving children, we need to, I think, stop with these gestational uh, arbitrary targets. You know, because yep. we talk about how Roe v. Wade is so arbitrary. You know, viability is arbitrary. All these different things. It is, but you know, feet like you know, children can feel uh, pain around twenty weeks. That's arbitrary. Uh, you know, children have a heartbeat at six weeks. That's arbitrary. I mean, these are all important in communicating the humanness of kids, right? right? Saying, oh, you feel pain. You have a heartbeat. They're important to talk about, but they're not important as being like, now you are human and you have human <laughs> rights. Uh, you, you you have human rights from the beginning. You know what I mean? There are people like this, the same way uh, with all these things. There are people who uh, who don't really feel pain or there are people who for minutes, their heart doesn't beat or all these things. They don't become unhuman you know what i mean and so it's important to have these protections start from the very beginning yeah and just another shout out um for ohio which has turned very pro-life just just before christmas i believe it was on the 22nd of december governor dewine who you mentioned before he signed into law the state's uh born alive abortion survivors protection act uh which is huge so if a child uh survives an abortion procedure doctors have to provide treatment for them um a, such a, a radical that's idea I know, but it, it, well, Democrats in Congress can't figure it out. But uh, that's true. But yeah, yeah. But so that's a great piece of legislation as well, too. I'd like to talk a little bit about the enforcement mechanism of the Ohio uh, the twenty three sixty three bill. Um, Noah, can you talk about that? And it, is it? Um, I, I'm assuming it is. But um, is the enforcement mechanism of the Ohio bill similar to the enforcement mechanism in Texas? 
yes, it's it's taken almost the directly. Texas heartbeat bill. Yeah, the Texas yeah, heartbeat bill, just to be clear. Yep, the Texas heartbeat bill that that was not struck down by the Supreme Court. You have to say, Joe. Right. Uh, yep. Yes, the, the the enforcement mechanism is extremely similar, uh, and the, some of the folks, the, the the smart legal minds in Texas, uh, helped craft that that text and comment on it. Uh, so it's it's extremely similar, right? So it's it more or less it it allows uh, an individual to sue an abortion provider, someone who uh, knowingly aided and abetted an abortion, uh, and if that person wins, it's a ten thousand dollar fine uh, that the abortionist needs to needs to pay, and we would hope that in the same way abortions have stopped in Texas because the providers are afraid of having a mountain of fines that they, the same thing would happen <laughs> in Ohio. Yeah. It's interesting. And so it's, it's not the state government that's, that's closing abortion clinics or, or, or restricting abortion, but it's these private uh, civil actions. Um, right. Just a great novel approach. I was wondering if we could, I, I, I grabbed some of the language from the Ohio bill and I was wondering if we could comment on it a little bit because it's some of it to me is a, is a bit unclear and maybe that's on sure. purpose. I have no idea. So this is for, for any legal geeks out there. This is uh, section 2919.084 of the Ohio uh, 2363 bill, also known as House Bill 480. And it's it says this. It says, any person may bring a civil action. You mentioned that pri- uh, previously to this. Any person may bring a civil action against anyone who, one, performs or induces an abortion. Okay, that, that seems pretty obvious. Those are the, the abortion providers. Yeah. But it says, any person may bring a civil action against a person who, two, knowingly engages in conduct that aids or abets, and you, you said that, you used that language previously, that knowingly a- engages in conduct that aids or abets the performance or inducement of an abortion for a woman who the person knows to be pregnant, including paying for or reimbursing the costs of an abortion through insurance or otherwise. What does aids and abets mean concretely? And I'm wondering, because I know this happened down in Texas, like Lyft and Uber, uh, Uber and Lyft, or, or I don't know if it was both of them, at least one of them said that, you know, they would, you know, protect drivers who drove women to abortion clinics and things like that. What does aid and abet mean in this context? Yeah, you know, I think aid and abet's important. And we'll talk about it. But I think almost the most important word in that section is the first one, which is knowingly. Okay. Knowingly aids and abets. So you know, okay. I, I, right. I have a That's lot a of friends. Who, yeah, I have a lot of friends who are uh, Uber drivers or who've driven for Uber in the past, and uh, you know, usually a person doesn't get in the car when they say, "Take me this address," and then they're like, "You know what? I'm going to go do. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get this this medical <laughs> procedure done." Um, or you know, it, it's like if if you haven't if you even like even if you're taking someone to the grocery store. They're not like, you know, I'm going to buy arugula and then in the back, I'm going to, you know, buy cocaine from my friend Billy. Like they, they even if they, they're going to do that, they don't uh, explain what they're exactly what they're going to do. And so yeah. under this uh, statute, an Uber or Lyft driver could not be prosecuted. Now, people okay. who could be could be sued are people like the uh, other staff at an abortion clinic. And this is also vitally important. Uh, insurance companies that mm-hmm. reimburse for abortion could be sued. You know, a someone, another, now an example of a private citizen who is not a medical provider who could be sued will be someone who pays for the abortion, who is uh, not the, not the mother. And it's also critical to uh, make clear that explicitly in the text of this law, uh, pregnant mothers cannot be charged for their own abortion. Right, uh, and it's also we. This is important to you know Jenna Powell, uh, the state representative. This is was important to her to put in. Fathers cannot sue for their own children, and it's also very clear that anyone uh, who's maybe involved in the uh, abuse or or why really a woman is pregnant cannot sue be to to ensure uh, that abusers, uh, th- that this is not sort of a part of a pipeline uh, of abuse. So I think the key is knowingly engaged. So someone okay. has to know what they're doing and they have to concretely help. Okay. And uh, so because ultimately, right, an abortionist, they ha- hold the highest responsibility. But especially I think of places like insurance companies who are reimbursing for this, uh, they also shoulder a lot of responsibility. And so we, the whole, the key of this, it's like, you know, we're not being coy. The key of this bill is trying to stop abortion. And so we're casting a relatively wide net of uh, who could be sued. 
Um, but no, I, I don't think an Uber or Lyft driver okay. or just someone you're talking to about it uh, could be has to be somebody who knowingly engages in conduct that aids and abets the performance of abortion. All right. There's a third section to this that, again, it raises some questions for me as well, too. So again, any person may bring a civil action against any person who, three, has taken action or made statements that demonstrate to a reasonable person that the person intends to engage in the conduct described by this section. What is what is that? To, to who exactly does this section apply? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what this 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 section uh, could a hundred percent apply to an abortion clinic that is uh, scheduling appointments. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. uh, I that 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 were the that's kind of the main avenue that the drafters were anticipating when talking about this. Um, because it seems once again, open ended. Yeah, well, it's 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 in in many ways, uh, this bill is meant to accomplish what it has in Texas, which is in Texas, this bit like there has not been any any actual right. There, there's been litigation on the law, but there hasn't actually been any private enforcement litigation necessarily uh, that's kind of gone through the process because right. abortion providers just aren't doing abortions. Right. You know what I mean? They they have no interest in testing this because at the end of the day, these abortionists uh, are, are profit making enterprises and they're not interested in potentially losing and being fined this uh, this money. So it's 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 meant to uh, to save children. And I think that this law in Ohio will accomplish uh, even more than what the Texas law is doing, because uh, it protects all children, not just those with a heartbeat. Right. Very good. Thank you for that clarification. It's very helpful for me. So um, I know live action that the, your, your primary fo- focus is on abortion. But um, you, you were telling me when we were having a conversation earlier, uh, there's there's another area that uh, live action is is uh, well, is engaged in. And I was, I was wondering, you know, can you tell us a bit about how uh, live action is fighting corporate censorship, particularly mm. with regard to Google? Yeah, this is important, and I bet you most people uh, have have encountered this in some way or the other. You know, some of these tech companies they play like such an outsized role in our lives. They play an in, in, in incredibly outsized role, especially in our consumption of information. They right. play a, such a huge role in just the points of view that we come in contact with. Uh, and live action was targeted right in uh, in September originally where we were running a set of ads on Google. So they were Google search ads. So, you know, the way Google search ads work is you pay Google. And if people are searching for certain words, you can pay for your link to come out as one of the top things. In a live action, along with our partners at Heartbeat International, which is a great uh, coalition of uh, Uh, pro-life pregnancy centers. Absolutely. Yeah, we were uh, running advertisements uh, promoting the abortion pill reversal hotline. So it's a phone number, you know what I mean? It's, it's not a, it's not an online store. It's a phone number that people can call to get information on abortion pill, the abortion pill reversal regime. Uh, And then those uh, people on the phone can help direct them to clinicians that could prescribe it, right? Even the people on the phone can't prescribe it. They will direct them to a doctor more or less or a pharmacist. And we were running these ads and Google, we were putting hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. And we were fielding hundreds, Joe, hundreds of calls to the abortion pill reversal hotline, saving lives. Every day, these ads were saving lives because what women were doing is they were searching abortion pill or abortion pill reversal. And most people don't know about this, but when they saw these ads, they called the number. And so the abortion pill reversal, uh, just very, very, very briefly, if a woman, the abortion pill is two pills, the first pill uh more or less tries to starve starve the child and kill it. And the second pill expels the child from her mother. And you can take the abortion pill reversal, which will help counteract the effects in yep. between. So you take the first pill and then 24 to 48 hours later, you take the second pill. So the abortion pill reversal you can take after you take the first part of the abortion pill. So if you take the abortion pill and you uh, you start to uh, to understand what you've done, you regret it, you're upset. Many women have gone through this. If you're in that time window, you can take the abortion pill reversal, uh, which is a you know FDA approved. Uh, it's progestin. The, it's it's progesterone exactly. It's it's a hor- It's a it's a bioidentical hormone is what they call it. So it's like an artificial. Uh, hormone and it's effective in a little bit more than sixty percent of cases that the abortion pill reversal re- mitigates the effect of the abortion pill. So that's what we're talking about. Yep. Anyway, Google uh, took down these ads it com- capriciously, arbitrarily took down these ads, 
And they said it's for uh, medical misinformation, that we were providing people medical misinformation. And, uh, you know, we, we wrote to Google, we, we showed there are so many medical studies that we gave them. We told them, uh, members of Congress, Joe, uh, over 30 members of Congress sent a letter to Google uh, asking them to reverse this truly shameful decision. And uh, we've gone back and forth a few times. Google sent another letter. Members of Congress sent a second letter. Um, but to make a long story short, these ads are still not being ran. And the reason why Google suspended these ads is because they were working and because the abortion movement, the abortionists came to them and said, you need to take these down. You need to take these down. And they listened. And it's it's just ridiculous. Not only is this not medical misinformation, it's, it's promoting a hotline where you can talk to, to clinicians. Uh, but have I don't know, some of the things that Google has approved, not only... You know, they approve uh, all of these ads for supplements that are not FDA approved. They yep. approve ads for uh, sort of vitamins that are not FDA approved. And they also have approved ads for the abortion pill, Joe, right. for right. the abortion pill, which has killed millions of children, killed at least 25 women. And the abortion pill reversal has 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 never uh, there's never been documented harm of any woman because it's it's a hormone. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 a it's a bad it's a uh, it's a bad situation where we're continuing continuing to put pressure uh, on on Google because you know it's it's a bit cliched but it's you know first they came for live action and then they come for me it's exactly. it, this, the, these tech companies will continue to censor points of view they disagree with until uh, it's it's monolithically one side it's first it will be monolithically abortion then it might be monolithically you know critical race theory or whatever harm you don't like. Uh, so it's important to stand up to these companies and ensure that the internet is free and open and, and governed by the principles of the First Amendment. Right. Yeah, that's why I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine because they don't have yeah. ads. So <laughs> they don't. It, but you, I mean, Joe, it, it's. I will just say it's. Uh, you know, I I respect the people who say if you don't like a service, don't use it. And I I think in a lot of ways that works, right? If you don't like Starbucks, go to Dunkin' Donuts. You can do that. Starbucks doesn't run your life. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's very tough for people. Can you could, right. could you not engage with Gmail? Could you not engage with Google Documents? Could you not engage right. with Google Maps? Uh, so, and maybe you could do all of these for one company. Uh, but it's very challenging. And it's, it's, it's very important that these companies uh, sort of just get in line and understand that America is a place where we allow for free expression. Yeah. Yeah. And just for, for listeners, um, uh, we, we did a, a podcast on chemical abortion with uh, the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Uh, it's a couple of episodes ago. So if, if people are looking for more information there, but just to kind of bring things to, uh, you know, bring things full circle, it's funny, you know, we're talking about the abortion pill reversal while, while we were, while I was at the uh, in front of the Supreme Court on December 1st, I looked over and who was standing about five feet away from me, but Dr. George Delgado who is mm, the pioneer of the abortion pill reversal. Yeah, so I went over and I introduced hero. myself and, and uh, it was great talking to him for a few minutes. Um, and, and he was, he was there from San Diego. He, he flew in uh, just to be on the Supreme court steps just for that day. So it's, it's just kind of a putting a nice little bow on our, on our discussion today. Noah, before we get to uh, your final words of wisdom is, are there any other issues that live action is addressing or is involved in that you'd like our listeners to know about? Yeah, you know, I'll just say I, I think a, a, a frontier for live action is important for uh, people who care about life across the country to embrace is, you know, we need to be uh, thinking about how we can better support families, how we can better ma make it easier to raise a family in America, uh, reclaim that sort of that part of the American dream, which is children, you know what I yep. mean, making that children are important. Which we and, need because we're, we're demographically, we're, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> we're shrinking. Yeah, we have a crashing fertility rate, and it's like I, I, we believe that the we need to invest in the American family as our most important national resource, uh, which is what it is, and that means that, uh, helping people have kids and uh, trying to make making it easier for families to make it work. You know, making it easier for maybe one parent to stay home, uh, making it easier uh, financially and sort of just societally, also culturally reintroducing the importance of the vocation of motherhood and fatherhood right uh that it's you know that being being a stay-at-home parent is not not working you know what i mean being right. a stay-at-home parent is uh probably the most important job uh you can have and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we can do on this front 
but a vigorous and sort of sustained and aggressive approach to supporting the American family, I think is the next step in the pro-life movement. Awesome. Noah, what final words of wisdom do you have for our listeners? I just urge uh, all of our listeners to to be courageous. You know, C.S. Lewis, uh, he talked about how courage isn't just one of the virtues, uh, that it's it's every virtue under fire. You know what I mean? Like, like without, without courage, none of the other yeah. things matter. You know what I mean? And there's going to be a lot of times it's like, and I, I, I always feel like I'm talking to the members of the Supreme Court right now, but there's going to be a lot of times over the next months and years where uh, you're that where companies like Google try to bully you or suppress you, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood and, and pro-abortion politicians try to scare you and talk about what a country without abortion can look like. But I'll just say it's like, you know, they, we have. Uh, we have the resources. We are a wealthy country, but most importantly, it's like we have the the capacity to love and care. You know what I mean? And we we have more capacity, I think, than any of us individually can ever know. So you know, walk, walk with your brothers and sisters and your state. Uh, help out pro life pregnancy centers. Follow live action, and uh, you know, it's 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 we 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 are ready for victory. You know what I mean? We're ready for victory in this fight for life. How do people get in touch with, uh, or how do people learn about your work with Live Action? I, we we haven't given the website or anything else, but uh, give a plug. How do, how do people get in touch with uh, the work of Live Action? Yeah, you know, website is liveaction.org, but I'd say our best, your best things to do is just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. If you're on the TikTok, follow us on TikTok. <laughs> but it's, we, we just, we have amazing content. Uh, every single week we create just truly, truly world-class videos. I don't, you know, we... Uh, for the first time ever, a couple weeks ago, released kind of a funny parody video. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. It was a it was it was a parody about pro choice men, the arguments pro choice men t- uh, make, and uh, it was just hilarious. I mean, you'll 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 split uh, split your hip, you know. What I mean, laughing. It's really really funny. We released a great video around Christmas uh, talking about King Herod's you know genocide of the young Jewish boys during Jesus's birth and how that connects to the uh, to the cause for life today. So fo- follow us uh, wherever you receive your information and, uh, you know, engage with us. It's like, t- tell us what you like and what you don't like. But uh, most importantly, share it. Share it with people who you know are pro-life, but share it with people who, uh, who, who you know are pro-choice. Start a conversation. See what they say. Awesome. Noah Brandt, thank you for joining me on Bioethics On Air. Hey, thank you, Joe. It's great to talk to you. For more information on these topics and other bioethical issues, please visit our website, ncbcenter.org, and subscribe to our publications, Ethics and Medics and the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly. The views expressed on Bioethics on Air are not necessarily those of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. If you have comments or questions about this or any of our podcasts, or if you would like to subscribe to our newsletter or our Bioethics Public Policy Report, please contact me, your host, Joe Zalot. Archived editions of our podcast are available on our website. Please hover on the Blogs and Podcasts button on the main page and then click Bioethics on Air. Finally, if you enjoy our podcasts and would like to support them, as well as the mission and ongoing work of the NCBC, please go to our website, again, ncbcenter.org, and click on the red Donate button. Thank you for listening, and may God's peace be with you.